Not my eyes. Welcome to the Glasshouse Game Show, recorded in London at Glasshouse Brick Lane. I'm Samantha Greer, and today I'm joined by Alex. Me. Yes, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shay. Hi. And Alex CG. Hello, hello. Um, today we're going to talk scariest games, indie horror, Ooh. and our spookiest gaming moments. Um, um, since it is the spooky month, of October, we're going to talk about Halloween's in October. Our personal favorites. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Here are we. Um, and as with any topic, we must always start at the beginning. Um, let's go back to the year of 1982, the scariest year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, famously, famously, the first year. <laughs> the first year. <laughs> Well, Thatcher was in power. It was dark times. Um, <laughs> Haunted House. Was Thatcher in power in 1982? Fact check me, Kip. <laughs> Haunted House, which is probably the earliest horror game in the genre. Uh, released on the Atari horror, 2600. Sure. Well, yeah, there's probably scary games, yeah. but this was explicit horror. The Atari 2000, 2600? 2600? 2600,000. The Atari. You <laughs> <laughs> You assume the role of a pair of eyes haunting, you guessed it, a big old house. Um, and that was, yeah, so, like, I think, like, horror, like, games are kind of interesting and, like, they go all the way back and, as I guess, is a, a sort of counterpoint to a lot of genres. They're not founded on mechanics. So, like, FPSs, RPGs, these are sort of games that are founded on, they are, like, all bound together by mechanics. Horror is just theme. Like, horror games mechanically cover such a broad range. Because um, what I found interesting about like that game, Haunted Haunted House. Have you played it? No, oh. but I went to go and look it up because I was curious. I was like, like you said, because ev because everything in horror games is about theme. I was like, how do you do that when you had so many limitations? Mm. And like, you literally are these pair of eyes, like sort of like haunting this house. So I thought that was like really cool. I don't know if I'd get much out of it, but it was it's cool like, that you're doing watch. the haunting. Yeah, yeah. Which you don't get to rare. do enough of that in games. No. Um, and. Uh, but yeah, then but then you fast forward a little bit, and I think these are more familiar titles. And I think also like the foundation, because there are some tropes to broadly like the, the staples of horror games, and that starts with stuff like mm. Monster Maze, Alone in the Dark, and Phantasmagoria. Mm. Um, which did you play that? You're nodding along, CG. CG's top. Oh, I've I've always Phantasmagoria has been on my list for a long time, and they've done haven't they done is is have they done the remakes or the re-releases? Is that, am I thinking of Phantasmagoria or is that the other one? I think you're thinking of, well, there is that Phantasmophobia. Yeah, Phantasmophobia. Are they related? More than that later. Related? I don't know. Cousins, maybe? I don't know. Brothers from other mothers. Phantasmophobia. That is the sequel to Phantasmagoria. You heard it here. Um... But then you, yeah, but then from like those, like I think like Alone in the Dark to Resident Evil is a pretty through line. Although Resident Evil also stems from, uh, what's the name of the game? Uh, Sweet Home. Sweet Home. This is it. Yeah. Which was based on a movie. It was like a licensed title. Oh. And um, it is based on... Sweet Home Alabama by Leonard Skinner. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is a response to yeah, Southern Man by it. Um, Do you have to be here all week? <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, so it's, so like it stems from that, and that's that is actually like the real genesis of like I think because Resident Evil ultimately forms a backbone of a lot of like horror games all the way through to like stuff like Dead Space and stuff, um, um, and Resident Evil was introduction of a lot of like horror tropes like inventory management and those like very basic puzzles and stuff, um, and and I think Resident Evil like really like getting big on the the jump scares, um, the famous like dog through the window yeah. and stuff. Um, but on the more cerebral end of the spectrum, we had um, you did you did at the same time more or less. You had Silent Hill, which is also like sort of its own genesis. Although Silent Hill is pretty much dead these days. Oh dear. Rip. I was gonna Rip. say you know at the risk of sounding pedantic here, you also have like the there is kind of the thing with like the early like the first System Shock. Like I don't know to me, and maybe we'll get into this. Like there's lots of games that have they're not explicitly horror games, but they have kind of this like foreboding dimension to them and i remember playing the first system shock in college actually way after mm. it was released but that game if you look at it, it looks janky as fuck it's super old school like <laughs> doom level fps graphics maybe slightly better but there's just this constant sense that shodan that like the machine yeah, is like yeah. there and watching you and when that happens when like robots come out from the walls i remember freaking out in my dorm room <laughs> i think so. i think that goes for actually all of that era around the same time like I was for a lot of looking glass games because Thief, um, also yeah. not explicitly a horror game, but nonetheless, horror is sort of woven into its fabric. Um, and yeah, it just gives it this really good dimension. Um, I mean, I, particularly in Thief because it's a stealth game, so you're supposed to be hiding and like thing, you know, that really learns, um, um, loans something extra to that horror because it's like you want to stick to the shadows but you don't because that's where all the monsters are mm. um, which is a kind of concept that w like horror games would actually sort of, are sort of leaning on and um, of late um, but do you think there's something special about those like early like 3D PS1 stuff you mentioned like the basic graphics CG do you think there's something spe special about those limitations they had everyone always talks about Silent Hill and the limited draw distance like yeah. you can only see so far and stuff you think there's something something special has been lost I mean I think that there's a th you have to imagine especially ignoring even going be before the 90s PS1 era and stuff like that I mean they couldn't it's really hard to do jump scale jump scares when you've got one frame a second you know, <laughs> you can't you can't scare people like that with stuff that's uh, I mean, one frame a second is sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that's the true in horror. a different way. In yeah. a consumerist way, it feels terrifying. So it did have to be more cerebral and more thought out, and at least like those very early games, or they would try and like cross in other things. And there was there was stuff like the Lucas Arts kind of things, like Maniac Mansion, where they kind of tied comedy into it. Um, but it was never really like, it was never scary from the perspective of things jumping out at you, which I think horror game became a lot in like the 2000s. Well, I think, I think Resident Evil set a precedent that was until, I would say until like the last few years was pretty much the go-to for horror games. And we'll talk about it later, but I think it was sort of a facet and the decline of horror as a genre mm -hmm. in video games for a long time. Um, but I think um, one thing I will would like to credit Resident Evil for when we're talking about limitations that I really enjoyed was the limited perspective, mm. yeah. fixed camera, because that, that that allows you to direct you know players' attention. I think the, the what they did with that in the GameCube version of Resident Evil, the remake, and you know you, they were using mirrors and yeah. stuff, and there was all these neat little tricks tricks of like 
yeah, like you not even having control over where you look, like again, these limitations and taking things away from you adds honestly, even the, the tank controls. I think if you're putting yourself back in there, and now it might be very frustrating to experience because we're so used to like fluid motion and everything. But if you, but then, and if you can if you can relate to it of just it's like the control taken away from you. Mm. It can, it's, they don't take the control away from you by like dimming the lights or whatever. They do it by... Well, it's sort of interesting because I think when you look at like Resident Evil 2 and they've remade the, you know, the classic things and there are, that was always a question, how do you sort of replicate the feel of the tank controls while also pleasing modern expectations? And mm. I think the thing Resident Evil 2 is kind of interesting because the they have... They have made these really slick controls, but there's still something like weighty and clunky to them. And not, not too dissimilar from what's gone on with like Last of Us and stuff. Mm -hmm. There is a thing of like you the control, you have more controls in terms of you can do what you want to do ease more easily, but there is nonetheless a limitation on the speed and the amount of you know yeah. how easily you can move. You can strafe now you and can't Resident sprint for three minutes straight. Yeah. <laughs> you can't like you can't like dive away. You are sort of like you are sort of there is a claustrophobia that they have clearly because Resident Evil moved away from that like Resident Evil 5 and 6 just got further and further away from that and went more action and it if it were Resident Evil 2 they wanted a lot of that control but like they clearly made a conscious effort to re put back in some of that like you know fucking, you know the panic that you get yeah. when the person on screen is not doing what you want them to do um, well, speaking to what you were saying, Sam, about how did those limitations like play into the old ones, and if there was ever going to be any mechanics that tend to go with the horror genre, unless you're going the full adventure game FMV kind of route, in those kinds of games, it's like it's all about the low power like build. You know, you have to make the pa player feel uh, panicked in a way that doesn't feel tedious. You know, so like they don't have many bullets, they don't have many. Uh, people critique the one Resident Evil game that I've played actually. Because I don't, I'm actually quite a scary, scared person. I don't like horror things. Aww. Is uh, Resident Evil Four, and that one doesn't stay scary for very long because no. you're so strong. So like the economy of keeping very few bullets and very few things, that seems to be like maybe it's not a mechanic in and of itself, but that's like what this style of these survival games have to do to stay scary. Yeah, they have to. I think this is a balance Resident Evil's really struggled with over the years. Is like because they are fundamentally action games as well as horror yeah. games, they have this fundamental problem of giving the player power. And it's like, oh, well, it's an action game. You need new guns. You need new things to excite you and play with. But there becomes an, an empowering aspect of that. And yeah. I think... Because it, it turns into a Val Kilmer action film from the 80s. Yeah, because I think it's really yeah. interesting because people always pick out Resi 4 as like the best one. And when I like ask them why, it's because they feel like this kind of action hero. And I'm like, that's yeah. not fun. Like, or like in terms of keeping up... With, Fuck like, what you're enjoying. Yeah, no, you're not allowed <laughs> to enjoy those things because I said so. And it's like, yeah, just, I don't know. I don't want to say like people's tastes are weird and mm. bad, but also... Very no, bad, I think right? I think I think it's no, valid to say that like yeah, you feel you feel like your Resident Evil Four has diverged away from what actually is intriguing. Well, just about not even Resident that. 4. I think it's just like in terms of what they were they set out to earlier on in the series in terms of building like this very atmospheric set piece yeah. to then empower you so much that I think it really takes you out of it and to to see why people resonated with Resi Four so much. Resonated. <laughs> Jail. He's here all week. Fire. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you can stay. No, <laughs> get out. <laughs> I mean, w without it, without it turning into like a Resident Evil Four reflections, I definitely like I'm on that board of Resident Evil Four. It didn't. It felt 
it very quickly did not become a horror game anymore. Mm. And I think it was because they started, they very quickly sucked all of the atmosphere and cerebralness out of it. Cerebrality. I say that's I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't think like, Resident Evil 2 is particularly a cerebral horror. I mean, because my hot take is always that Resident Evil 4, the first third's good, and then it mm. gets increasingly worse as it goes along. That's well, but because it becomes increasingly more like a 1980s like action comedy almost <laughs> but i will say like resident evil 2 is sort of a like goofy uh, but it's, it's more like an aliens because it, it resident evil 2 does escalate but it's the only it's literally I, I always say this it's the only resident evil game that sticks the landing for me it's the only one that is yeah. good to the very end it's and i i mean i really like resident evil 2 because i think it's fun and the things that the things that become a little bit over the top feel like it feels like they're still, yeah, they sit six and landing mm. still within the same universe yeah. mm. versus Resident Evil 4 seems like it has an identity crisis. Uh, 100%. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, like it. midway through, it goes from, oh, spooky Ita you know, Spanish village, and then suddenly it's like, oh, oh secret labs and stuff, and just doesn't quite. Whereas Resident Evil 2 seems like every, every, all of it seems cohesive in a way because you're fighting a corporation and stuff, and, and, you know, like, it feels like this. You're in this event that's over your head, and so the escalation of that sort of feels natural and errant. Um, but speaking of like sort of or early horror games, what was everyone's like first horror game? I could tell you because I'm uh, I'm this isn't my genre, and maybe maybe you guys can help educate me because I'm really I one of the things I dislike about horror is I, I really dislike in like any film or movies or game kind of thing. Like realism as a genre is something that like gore horror heavily gore leans horror. on. Like when it's not silly, at least when it's trying to be really like look realistic, like bodies are being decomposed and all this stuff. And I just I just dislike realism as like an aesthetic thing. But uh, so I I have to games That's why you that play are so horror many based. Sorry. That's why you play so many JRPGs. Yeah. No. <laughs> I look. We'll have a whole separate thing about why I think realism is like the death knell of storytelling. But. Wow. Uh, I have to, I have, I have to, it has to be some kind of other hook, you know, like some kind of something in the vein of like old school Twilight Zone or some kind of like, I, I, I know this, this is sounding pretentious as I'm saying it, but I am. A well, it's, it's your preference, so right? Like, I, I'm I, just going to accept it. But uh, it was Eternal Darkness for the GameCube. That was my first kind of like real oh, horror so game. You came all the others came were to too scary for me. What's that? You came to horror quite late in terms of your game. Well, well, yeah exactly Life. because i didn't i never my and my brother we didn't really like that wasn't how we bonded we didn't like like renting scary movies and watching them and the thing about eternal darkness that got me was the idea of like the mechanics being this like you get to play generations in the same family and also even though i didn't know it at the time this idea of this kind of like more mysterious lovecraftian plot thing that wasn't a, i didn't really like zombies like i wanted something that wasn't that so i do distinctly remember and and that game it plays with the whole idea of sanity so i remember playing it at like two in the morning in my room upstairs mm -hmm. and the game will do things like the lower your sanity the game will pretend to reset or like your head will fall off and you pick it up and it starts talking to you or it pretends your save has been corrupted or your controller you know pulls a metal gear solid and it pretends your controller's backwards and yeah. stuff so there was a lot of like mechanical things that kept me in it that i don't think if it was just straight jump scares and stuff that i would have been able to i mean to i'm assuming it. there's a difficulty in what um, the um, Eternal Darkness did because it's it's such a novel and such a good like kind of scare of messing with it that I can think of like two games that have done it since that I can think of. Yeah, you know that like actually pretending your game's breaking and stuff. I think. Yeah. It seems like that sort of like messing with the fourth wall a bit and stuff is just yeah that seems like such an untapped area for games. 
Um, but what about everyone else? What was your first horror games? I, I and the thing is, when I knew this question was coming, I was like, "You wrote the question, even." I, <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> um, I because I I don't play very many horror games. Like everything has been, I've like sat down and watched somebody else play mm -hmm. it, and I think it would have probably been like one of the early Resident Evils. Like I would have sat down and watched my brother play it, but like actually playing it myself, like yeah, shoot I over mean, your head. Not even because I was scared, because I, I loved like horror films I growing think up. Watching like, is, I think, I think yeah. I would count that as your first horror game. Like, yeah. The one you, so Resident Evil for you. Yeah, I think so. Um, I remember that. I was like, this is this is like freaky and like really cool. I think it was like you know my brain is already smooth as an adult, but as like a child and having a smooth brain, I was like, oh my god, they've taken like a horror movie and like <laughs> I could play through it. And that was yeah, that sort of like opened up my eyes and like my mind as to what like games could really be. Um, so that was pretty cool. Very terrifying at the time, but not so much now. I think that the first, I mean, I guess Maniac Mansion isn't really a horror game. In, in, you cannot count Maniac. Uh, so, but I was going to say that it, <laughs> the judgment if, has been cast. Even if it did, that uh, I wasn't scared during it, even when I was playing it at six or whatever. Um, but the first game that I can remember being s spooked by, uh, I think, is Shotgun the Forever Man. It's a Genesis game that's sort Ooh. of a. Um, a deep cut, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's a, it's a, I mean, it, it definitely plays, it's kind of like a ghouls and ghosts type game, mm. but okay. instead of where ghouls and ghosts is kind of a little bit silly with its spookiness, this goes super like dark and doomy with it. Mm. Uh, it's very gothic, super gothic. Mm. Um, you like play as a ghost zombie skeleton type guy <laughs> who's trying to get your soul back, I think. Mm. Um, but uh, it's got the same kind of gameplay as... As uh, as Golden Ghost type games, but the atmosphere of it is what I remember distinctly coming from that CRTV, <laughs> CRTTV, um, yeah, and the kind of like the glow it had, and I can remember playing that late at night as a kid, and the I mean he's the guy you play as, but he's really spooky himself, so he would like appear in my dreams and shit. But uh, it's a good game though. In any case, shock on I've no. never heard of it. That's one to like for the list for sure. If you can count Maniac Mansion, then I can count Earthbound. Okay, because that game scared the crap out of me sometimes. All right. <laughs> In which case, it, you can't count it. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, my first, my first horror game was also Resident Evil, Resident Evil Two specifically. Mm. Um, which, like, yeah, like I played it when I was like, well, I, I mostly watched my friend's brother play it, and I was like five. And it scared the living shit out of me. Um, everything was so real back then. And it was funny. I remember like years later, like going back and going, everything's made of blocks. This is not <laughs> scary. I remember this being like photo real, which was weird when they did the remake and it was photo real. Mm. And it was like, well, they did have the FMV stuff at the beginning, didn't they? Mm. Uh, yeah, but even that stuff is like, whoa. <laughs> um, there is one thing though. Like, Michael Bay. There's this, so <laughs> there's this specific zombie in the game that is like this bald zombie with like white dead white eyes. And that was the one that scared me. Like really, cause it's like the first zombie you meet in Resident Evil 1 in the yeah. GameCube remake. It's just very specific. The, in the Re Resi 2 remake, they use them quite a bit. It's that specific look. Like, and it is so disturbing. I don't know what it is, but there's something about that that's weak. All the zombies with their like bits falling off is like, whatever. But that specific, just like, just the dead eye, there's just something about the slack jaw and everything that genuinely unsettles me, which is rare because zombies are not a particular. I'm like, whatever. It's just a slow person, big deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you're slow too in those games. 
<laughs> Speak for yourself. Um, I'm you got the cheat code. That's um, the, that's cheat codes. I'm just good. I'm just so good. Um, but like Resi, Resi Two was cool though, and it's and it's Resi Two is the benchmark for like every horror thing ever. It wasn't just my first horror game. It was only one of my first horror experiences. So it's like every horror thing gets measured against it in mm. terms of like the the perfect escalation and pacing. That's a take. That's a. That said, like mm. it's like there's there's stuff that's way better. It's just like that's the that's the the ba- the middle list. Like you're either better than Resi Two, you're worse. Like it's the thing <laughs> I always come back to in terms of can you escalate? Can you start me somewhere and escalate me to this like you know the peak of all that that feels earned, or do you you know do you run away? So you're and, saying it's average. <clears throat> I'm saying it's brilliant, <laughs> but it's definitely like that is the that is the point. Like if you can capture something of that escalation, that I feel is like. Sort of integral power power games, and that's it. And yeah, Resi Two is definitely the start of that for me. After like sort of the PS One era, um. Horror eventually started to go on a bit of a decline, basically, um, as a game genre. The um, Not that there were no horror games, but I think it's like Resident Evil was huge. Silent Hill was really popular. I think over time, both of those series sort of got ran into the ground and nothing really took their place. It, horror games had this thing about jump scares, and that was one of the big deals with Resident Evil was, whoa, things, you know, unexpected things can jump through walls and stuff. And like... After that, you know, after that sort of lost its sheen, you went through a long time where there wasn't really any big horror games. I have a question about that. Is that something that coincided with, like, the decline of horror, like, as a genre? Because that, like, it happened in film as well. Like, did those two things happen at the same time? Or were they just, like, two things that happened I think, well, I actually, I I think they happened separately because I think around the same time, Blair Witch Project, funnily enough, revived horror as a genre in film for a while. Like it was like this cheap thing, so then suddenly studios were like, "Well, we can we can throw money at horror films again." And um, but maybe in this way that they saw this successful thing, and then there was a bunch of copycats versus this successful thing, and that reinvigorated people's passion for it to then go out and create a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, I'm just I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, as far I think as I think horror. Wise, I mean, horror and film has always been like very like it's never been the. It's like there's always a hit that is the exception that proves the rule that overall horror is never like the most mainstay. It's like the genre itself is always a mainstay because it's like that cheap thrills thing. But yeah. the exceptions of horror films that people really latch onto are far and few between. It feels like mm-hmm. you know you get a Blair Witch Project and then you know now and again you'll get I can't even remember the last. I mean, it's changing oh, a I guess bit um, what was the days, the good one about the ghost? The the found story. footage. Ho- was it? Was the found footage? Isn't oh, that a thing wreck? that you guys like? No, no, Panorama. Paranormal Activity. Paranormal Activity, thank you. Panorama Activity. <laughs> I thought Rick was a zombie That's thing. <laughs> I can't remember. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, but the, the point is, like, I feel like horror like, has always been a mainstay in film. It's just now and again, there's something that people... I mean, 20 Days Later was really big. Like, There's always something that now and again people really latch on to. But it's always sort of there. They always sort of make money because they can be cheaply made. You can get a few cheap thrills. And that, people, that satisfies a lot of the audience because that's what they want. You know, anything more substantial is kind of like whatever. But horror, horror games seem to go on a bit of a decline. Like, there wasn't like... Like games companies just weren't throwing a lot of money at them like for for yeah. a long time. And maybe it had something to do with I mean Resident Evil going in an action direction and people being happy with that. 
Well, yeah, Resident, Resident Evil Four was almost like for a long time was the was, I mean, it, was a pinnacle it, it, it of saved games, Resident right? Evil, but it's like was like, but it almost was the the like the nail in the coffin for Resident Evil as a series for a while, like because that was the thing. It was like we're not going to do horror really anymore, and a lot of even even horror games that would eventually crop up in that interim, like Dead Space, were very action heavy, like. Um, and Dead Space itself would only end up more action heavy as yeah. it went on. That was not even until 2010, even. Mm. So. You know, um, I think Silent Hill sort of stuck to its guns, but just became increasingly less popular. And I mean, a lot of those later games are very um, sloppy. Um, and then you had, I mean, you'd have some some stuff. You had like Fatal Frame was on PS2 and stuff. You had like some mm. the occasional like horror games, but there wasn't like a huge amount, which. It's sort of interesting because what I ended up having with the with the the rise of like indie games became this sort of new surge of like horror stuff, these small scale stuff. Because um, one of the biggest horror games ever is Five Nights at Freddy's, mm. <laughs> which is like the simplest, cheapest game. Like it's just a bunch of like screens and you just click on cameras and that's it. Like that's the whole thing. And they made so many of these, and it was huge. Six like Six Nights at Freddy's, Seven <laughs> Nights at Freddy's. Um, but like, I didn't realize it was a whole, I thought it was just five and then they stopped. I didn't realize it was a whole series. Whole thing. Whole thing. Whole thing. Um, there was also the indie like adventure game kind of resurgence as well. Cause I'm thinking of, um, what was it? Seven, seven days of stranger. What was that? Or five days of stranger. There was that, there was that series as well. There was all the, like the AGS studio games that I think, um, even like widget eye games, like the ones that they ended up being involved in, like a lot of their kind of flirt with those horror tropes. And that feels like one of the, you know, if you're talking about threads of what horror can be, that adventure gamey kind of narrative based more so than survival based thing is its own kind of thread that I think we're seeing a lot of those now. In, in well, I think, indie games. I think the thing that was interesting about these, a lot of these indie horror games was that they moved in these really, well, because what, like what you'd had for a long time is every horror game was basically Resident Evil, a variation of, including like stuff like Dead Space and stuff. What you started to get with with indie games was you you were they were creating experience one where you were disempowered, which had been a thing that had been neglected from the genre. Like they'd gone down this action heavy road, but you also got like really interesting. For, and this goes back to like the fact that horror in video games is more of a theme than an actual like genre of mechanics. And you got loads of different things. Like amnesia was this thing about like physics based and messing with interactable objects where you're running away from monsters. And Five Nights at Freddy was like clicking on cameras and stuff. Um, and you've, I mean, even now you've got like, you've got like multiplayer horror games, like, uh, we mentioned Phasmophobia. Um, and like, has anyone got any like favorite indie obscure little horror games? Obscure little ones. Um, I got one. Go on. Uh, for saying I don't play horror games. <laughs> um, the de- uh, Detention, which you guys might've heard of, comes, came out of a Taiwanese studio. Yeah. I was playing it yeah. with my, uh, brother-in-law a little while ago. I actually need to beat it, but, uh. Again, normally that kind of thing scares the living fuck out of me and I would never play it. But the hook of both like a studio coming out of an interesting place of the world and then the narrative being uh, it's related to a specific era of like dictatorial, uh, you know, human rights violations in Taiwan where they were like rooting out this kind of like reactionary right wing fear of because of the communists that anybody with leftist associations was, you know, a threat to the state. So you play a high school student. And it's this very kind of stark, like cartoon uh, 2D drawings. But uh, yeah, you play as this high school student trying to investigate what's going on. But the school is really fucked up. Things are happening at the school and it draws on Chinese mythology as well and and Taiwanese folklore. So there's a lot of these like local kinds of monsters and mostly in the game. Again, the the hook for me, because I think you said it, it's 
anything that takes away your control or is a kind of like meta thing about your ability to play the game is what's interesting. So the main thing you do besides just like, I guess Resident Evil style, just like, oh, here's a thing that goes in a door and the door opens uh-huh. is uh, is you can hold your breath, which I think other games have done. Uh, so you can't fight the monsters. Like just when they come by, you have to you have to hold your breath and you have like a limited meter. And obviously if you let go, then they, they start destroying you. But it's really, it's really, really gruesome. You get some really fucked up, like, it reminds me almost of certain, like, uh, ironically, Japanese horror films. Like, these really, uh, these horrible images. I still can't get them out of my head. But it's such a compelling (laughs) narrative that I really, you know, you want to find out what's happening at this school. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I've heard a lot about detention. Um, On that note of, uh, like, disempowerment, um, and this is, I really want to recommend it, but I don't know what state it's in now or if you can even play it. Sort of in the, like, because it's a mobile game uh, from 2010. But as you might be aware, those games that were popular then or existed then have become an absolute shit show with microtransactions and stuff like that. I mean, (sighs) Plants vs. Zombies, rest in peace. Um, (laughs) Plants vs. Zombies, terrifying game. Uh, So scary. Papa Sangre. Uh, It's a game that... It's a, it was an iPhone game, and it's just it's a black screen. There's no there's actually no visual UI whatsoever. After you push play, and you have to play with headphones because this, it's it's a game that's completely based on sound. You do have an input. There's a like the screen itself is separated between left and right, and as you tap, that's you taking steps. And it's I guess in a way it's kind of like a uh, dungeon crawler because it's you're moving between levels trying to get uh, you're either going down or up I'm not sure but you're trying to get to the end of the level and you can hear where the end of the level is just like as a like a ping and on each level there's also a monster which can hear your footsteps and you can hear the monster sleeping or uh, or running at you I guess but you're completely blind and you're supposed CG to play either in complete head. darkness or with your eyes closed. <laughs> this game over, man. Game over. <laughs> listening for the monster and trying to make your way with quiet st- footsteps as quiet as you can when you're near the monster mm. getting to the end. And it is really scary. Yeah. And it's a very simple mechanically. Obviously, like your only input is A, B, basically, to walk. And you're completely reliant on hearing alone well it's funny you mentioned that because um one of the i would mentioned thief is like a really scary thing and um one of the inter- one of the things that makes thief scary um is the sound and there was an interesting thing i remember the audio designer in thief talked about this that one of the what they said one of the interesting things about sound design and sound and video games is that unlike visuals which there is a suspension of disbelief you are on some level believing that the image in front of you is the reality that the game's presenting but sound surpasses all that if you hear a door open that's just your brain just goes hey a door's opened sound completely surpasses any need for suspension of belief or or to decipher what the image is you just you just hear the thing and there's that instantaneous thing so horror really relies you know relies on good sound design to like really mm. just tap into just your immediate lizard brain reactions of just like you know, if you hear something behind you, you don't even you don't even think like, oh, game sound. But you, there's no thought. You just immediate have that immediate reaction, um, which is one of the obscure games that I love. Um, there's a little independent game called Duskers. 
Duster sounds okay. cute. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's adorable. Um, basically, it's a sci-fi game where you play as basically a salvage ship, and you sit, you sit, you go, you pick up derelict ships, and you send your these drones that you name and you equip and stuff. And you send them into the ship, and you c- uh, control them remotely. And the game is pitched diegetically. So the idea is that what you, the terminal in front of you in the game is the idea is as if you are actually at a terminal in the game. And all your audio is as if you are docked next to the ship, not that you're hearing what the drones are hearing or anything. It's like you're at this little terminal. And you can program instructions to your little duskers, and you've got to go room by room clearing things out. And you just, it's so stark. You just have these little, it's this little neon blueprint interface. Yeah, it looks like Walmart's warehouse. I was like, you might like this. Um, <laughs> and you just get like, you, you get them to scan rooms and you get a little ping and it will just go, there's something in the room. And it's so stark, you don't get anything. You just hear, you can, and sometimes you can hear. And like, it's, it's all very, it's so minimal and your brain is doing most of the work. You're looking at these little stars and you like, you'll send a drone into a room and it will just like, you'll lose connection with it. And you'll be like, oh shit. And then you'll be like, lock the door, lock that you'll be typing, typing in the code to like lock this door. And like, and you were talking about tank controls and stuff. And it's funny, they do a similar thing with the programming. So you have to wipe out these, type out these basic commands. So there's that thing where you're in a panic moment, it's trying to hurriedly type something. And um, and you can like chain instructions and stuff, and it's really cool. But my, the scariest thing when it was because it's the sound design and this idea that you're on the ship and what you hear is what you're hearing through being docked with the other ship. There was a moment after hours and hours of play where playing this thing and sending my drones, and I just suddenly heard something as move as if it was right next to me for the first time in the game, and I was like, is something on my ship? And there's you you don't have any access to input in your ship, and I was like. What do I do? And like, oh, it's great. Great game. And it's just, it's sort of like a very basic puzzle game. They randomly generate these interiors and you work through these rooms one mm. by one. You've got to figure out how to clear them. But just because of how stark and how good the audio design is, it's just like, it's very scary. Very slow burn, but very, very scary when it wants to be. Um, but no, no, no indie little horror game for you, Shane? I'm afraid not. Yeah. Whoa. Sorry to disappoint. I mean, yeah, I. It's because I don't play much horror to begin with. Mm. Um, and then couple that with the fact that I'm a big AAA baby. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, so games can be scary. Um, well, let me ask you this, though. Like, um, we There's little scary moments in Horizon Zero Dawn, sort of when you're stealthing it and gets sneaking up on... This is such an, ob- right. such an odd choice. Yeah, I'm just trying like, to get you like, into it. No, we're, and we're going to get to it. There's, dark, like, there's, dark, there's darkness dark- in that game. <laughs> I, all I'm going to say is Horizon Zero Dawn is not an indie obscure <laughs> game. But I'm to, I'm, yeah, but I'm trying to bring into just, you know. Meet me where I'm at. Yeah, yeah but. Yeah, I'm halfway here. Yeah, Come on. but we're going to get to it later on in terms of like non, sure, like, yeah. Yeah, non-horror games that were scary. Because I've, I've got a ton of those. Okay. Um, yeah, no, no obscure ones, unfortunately. But, um, let me ask you this though, like we touched on phasmophobia and stuff and a common thing that comes up, um, particularly when instances of Resident Evil added co-op at one point is like multiplayer things can't be scary and mm. stuff. Do we feel that's true? Do we feel like you can actually make multiplayer experiences scary? Well, how many, um, yeah, like horror multiplayer games are there? There's a, there's that Friday there's... the 13th game oh. that, where you can, but, but that I feel is almost like a party game yeah. more so I, than... That maybe is almost too many people because, mm. I, well, let's say that what's required, what's required is that you can certainly have fun either way, but I think what's required for it to be scary is everybody taking it seriously. 
where I played a fair amount of the Friday the 13th game and I don't think anybody's taking that game. Yeah, so I was I was picking it. fights with the the uh, guy. I was like, "Fucking!" I mean, and how can you? Sorry, that I <laughs> I wouldn't usually point this out, but that game is so janky. Like, yeah. it's and and I guess that plays into like the whole campiness um, of like horror, which is the appeal. Mm. I just I just don't think it can be scary. The jankiness definitely, I think, is something that can hurt these mm. kind of games as well. I remember last last Halloween there was a game called Rako's Fragments. Uh, which is like a a crowd versus VR game. Uh, like, so there's one person who's uh, mm. exploring a haunted house, and then everybody else is like on their mobile phones, um, like controlling the house. But it was it was too janky to be fun. And then because you were just frustrated at the jankiness, you it wasn't just, scary. Right, yeah, I think. Um, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of any multiplayer games that are especially scary, but I think that's partly because a lot of them are action games. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say is this is not, but I played it as a multiplayer game, is Until Dawn. Um, mm. So when that okay. came out, uh, I was working at HMV and there were like a ton of us. We, It was kind of frustrating, actually, to the point where I have like the first, I don't know, half an hour of that script like in my head. Because we all <laughs> sat down and like played through the first beginning of it. I was like, why did we do this? It was fun, but I'm also like, why Why did we do this? Um, <laughs> but it, it was sort of that thing of like, you know, when you get like a whole bunch of friends together and you play, or like you watch a horror movie and yeah. it was that, but we were like actually playing it. Um, it yeah. all the choices. Because obviously we're talking about like the atmosphere of horror games, but I guess like campiness is quite a big thing in horror, I would say. So anyway... Mm. That's yeah, I think there's a lot. I mean, fair. particularly the the stuff that Until Dawn is like sort of leaning yeah, on, like slasher slasher. films in general. Yeah, there's there's a campiness that mm. I think I think you can use smartly in a multiplayer context to sort yeah. of dampen the like because yeah, if people are bringing like not taking it seriously, it's like you can use the campiness to sort of like bring that in line with the. Have any of us played Phasmophobia? Not yet. Oh, yeah. No, I'd like to. I mean, I guess that would be. It's hard to make. We can't definitively make this argument until we play the game. I, I, that I, 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 think, you, I think you can. I just think. I think part of it, and what appealed to me about Phasmophobia, um, is the idea of like. I think it needs to be cooperative, but it needs. You need to have not a lot of power. It comes back to disempowerment. Yeah. I think I've I've played some like games that have um, flirted with like um, ideas of like giving you like less information and stuff. So Dead Space Three famously. Um, had this co-op mode where, but the the original intention got scrapped. Where one of the ideas they talked about was one player was going to suffer all these hallucinations that the other player couldn't see, and there was going to be, and it was going to be the idea was to be quite subtle that the idea that you you would it would take a little while before you realize, wait a minute, no, you didn't, I didn't see that, and mm -hmm. like you're almost like not in agreement and stuff, and you're undermining each other and questioning yeah. each other. I mean, I do think that there's a version of something like Friday the Thirteenth or Evolve or something like that where there's a monster versus crowd of like where being hunted could be scary for both, right? Like, cause the monster is being, could be hunted by the crowd and the crowd is being hunted by the monster. It's just that maybe the thing. I do that happen I, actually. It's funny you mention that because I do think I've mistake that a lot of those games make as make one of the players the monster, because I think that makes the monster knowable in a way that I feel like mm. undermines it. Because you know all the mechanics that they yeah. Can have, whereas if their their AI, because I think of you know like um, Outlast, Alien Isolation, where they got these AI driven thing. There is there is a one part of what makes those scary is like there's a mystique about you're never quite sure what mm. their thought process is and what the the limitations of them are. But if you can play as them, then you can go and learn all that stuff. And suddenly, there's that that's diminished a little bit. Um, I think this when the games have so sorry. 
No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I think when games have really blatant mechanics, because I think that's the thing with Friday 13th, it's like a lot of those mechanics and how the game works are really signposted. Mm. So it's like you when like you know when certain things happen, having that keen understanding of what's going on does detract from the horror. Also, the AI is probably not going to be nearly as janky as a player trying, <laughs> trying <Yeah>. to control. <laughs> what were you going to say, CG? I, I was just going to say, I mean, I think the problem and the struggle with a lot of things that involve other people in horror is that sort of what we were saying of like you, you in a social game setting you you can run the risk of feeling too empowered and i think one of the i've brought this up before I've, I've been looking for the name of it and i can't find it maybe we can put it in the description if we find it later but there is a whole genre of like so you can think about horror games with other people but there's also uh horror games that are supposed to be with other people but they're not there so there's uh first of all there's like, like kind of just like well, no, let me finish. Yeah, playing with dead people. I'm saying playing... Um, th first of all, there's this kind of spelunking genre of people going into old abandoned MMORPGs and like MMOs mm. and just walking around. Mm. And like some of those things can be really disturbing because you're basically the only person in the world in a, in a world that is supposed to have lots of people in it. So like yeah. all the NPCs are talking to you about like, hey, isn't this such a busy place? And like, you're like there's no one here. And like stuff like that. But then there's this one, I, I need to find the name of this, but it's a... Uh, Imagine if you took like dot hack, if you guys remember that, but you went really dark. So there's this like creepy pasta horror MMO. It's like it's like a single player game, but it makes itself it's the whole premise is that you're playing an MMO, but it but it's an old but it's dead. And so you're going through and like the game is it's doing not world this, of horror, is it? I'm I don't know what it is. I will have to find it. But the point is supposed to be that this server is like it's starting to feed back into you and so i think that there mm. that i mean to me that almost you know you could go off the deep end with like the whole idea of a lonely game you know pe the reason people talk about like metroid 2 alex we were talking about that as a lonely game is because of that even other npcs you're walking around and you're like where is everyone i think this goes back to what you were saying about eternal darkness that something you 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 latch on to is this idea of like messing with the the very input and like the the space between the player and the game and like, yeah, taking away information and stuff and like, you know, really messing with the fourth wall. Um, but I think like we touched on, I mentioned um, Alien Isolation Outlast because one of the things that came out of this indie explosion was the resurgence of AAA horror games. Um, like, hey, maybe we should start doing that again. Yeah, but but the, I mean, a blatant... like In that exact voice? Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys. Hey, <laughs> at the EA board meeting. Um <laughs> The, I think there was a very explicit, like, literally a lot of, like, ideas and stuff that were, like, part of these indie horror games were then lifted into AAA things where they could they could polish them to a really extreme level. Because Resident Evil 7, Alien Isolation, they all leaned on this idea of, like, AI pursuing you. And it's this more systemic-driven thing rather than, like, these scripted scares. It was the idea, we're going to drop you in this space and then this thing thing or these things are going to be out in the world and just th there are jump scares now but they're just unpredictable ones and they're not ones that we are determining as a designer um and is it like all of those triple waves are any ones that user really connected with i thought resi 7 was good does that does that count yeah yeah resi yeah. 7 absolutely counts i think that i think that was like That's one of the no i think that was one of the noble ones because mm. like resi 7 followed sex which was just Mama. This is garbage. It was yeah, so and uh, Resi Seven. That was the giraffe game, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, you played that in VR, that didn't you? Resident Evil Seven. Yeah, I was actually. I never. I played it. I only played it a tiny bit outside of VR. After I had played it through in in VR, and it felt like a very different experience. Mm. Where I was also then, not in a bad way, but it was like I don't. 
I don't need to redo this without it because there was so much more impact in VR and it's so much more like, well, it's all, it's way scarier yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, and especially because it was one of the first VR games that I had played and one of the first like, there's that, that immersive immersion moment that you have in VR where you're still so like in awe of, oh, I can pick this object up. Or <laughs> I can mm. touch this thing. I can see my hands. And then when you combine that with, yeah, the monster tearing your face off kind of thing, it's, <laughs> it's uh, it, uh, yeah, it clicks. It was a lot though. Like at some moments I was like, yeah, this is like really good. And then others, I, that, I feel like that triggered my motion sickness. I now get motion sickness. <laughs> I never got it before. So, um, yeah, it's that. Thanks that Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Obama. What about you, CG? Have you actually played any of the sort of more recent AAA horror games? Um, clearly not your genre, but have you given anything a go? Yeah, I mean... T- Again, I was even just <laughs> as we were, were having this. Just puke a little bit. As I mean, as we're having this conversation, it's funny because the more we talk, the more I remember games, horror type games that I have played, but they're all in the like adventure game genre. Like mm. they're all thing they're mostly 2D <laughs> type things, or even interactive fiction, like pure text. So I don't I mean to be fair, some of yeah. that is the scariest stuff. Like I mean the, yeah. the clock tower is an old game and that is still yeah. terrifying. But it's it's just well, a point and click game. Yeah, just I was gonna say, um and I don't wanna spoil your we, we can go back to the triple A ones, but it, <laughs> to me that is the I was thinking about like one of my favorite episodes of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. It was like the T V series that he helped produce, which is kind of like the Twilight Zone, but a little bit more murdery. <laughs> was an episode that was clearly just it was just a bottle episode where they were like oh shit we don't have special effects but they it's an episode where a guy goes into an office and is just blackmailing this guy like he just walks into his life and is like oh i know this about your family and i'm gonna do this do this and like the entire episode is just him blackmailing him and basically kind of like forcing him to commit suicide and that episode more than almost any other horror type thing that i've seen disturbed me so much that I think my little heart can't take it. Like I was mm-hmm. playing Half-Life Alex with the VR thing that Alex lent me. And that was like, even that, which is <laughs> not, I mean, Half-Life is atmospheric, but it's, it's, not it's necess- meant it's not that necessary. there's a little bit of the, you know, Raven's home or whatever. There's yeah. that like horror aspect to it, but it's still just like a shooter. I was f- losing my damn mind. <laughs> like I can barely, like, oh my God, head crabs. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll fill it in, in the end when we talk about, uh, other stuff. I mean, you mentioned <laughs> VR, and one I know this has some VR aspects, and you're, you're tempted to go and play the whole thing as VR. Because my favorite of this revival is Alien Isolation, which. <sighs> but it, I, the reason I like Alien Isolation as a horror game is it's also a really good stealth game. Like, it has very basic mechanics mm. uh, for a stealth game, but it's it, but they're good. Like, it's all about distraction and stuff. But you end up building this relationship with the alien where it learns. So if you keep hiding in lockers, it knows when it shows up in an area, it just starts tearing lockers open. If you keep using flares to distract it, eventually it will start going, you throw a flare and it will just go, where did that come from? And it will start looking for the source rather than following the light. And nope. so there's this weird thing of like, you, if you use all your toys and tools early, then it goes. <laughs> My favorite though that I got with the game was with the flamethrower because you get that about halfway through. And it's like the, it's like the sort of game changer because suddenly you have something you can repel the alien with. But it gets to this point where you do it, you burst it with flame, and, it, and instead of just immediately running away, it like goes and it hovers there, and, it, and it, it's waiting to see if you've got any more fuel left. 
and there's an and towards the end of the game when you're running low on fuel and you've got like seven fuel left, you you know you can you've got this little spurt left and it's like and you're playing this like like game of chicken with it where it's like <laughs> you're staring each other down and is like the escalation wow. of like of that like going from the scared helpless you know person to you're actually like dead eyed with the monster like really echoes a lot of like Ripley's journey in the films but it's all like mechanical it's all mm, based there in cool. the game and it, and it doesn't force you into any of that I stuff. don't like that why is the AI <laughs> learning so much <laughs> why, are you, why are you smart in a weird stuff. way it almost makes you want to play it yeah kind of but I'm also like mm. Alien Isolation is the only game that on repeated plays I get scared and the oh, thing okay. that I remember on a replay freaked me out because there's like sort of early on there's a couple of scripted moments where they sort of introduce the alien and, and I assumed that was the oh the alien is now in the world but well actually so when I went through a replay in the early I was like ah oh, the alien's not here I can do what I want and I'm just running around with the, the wrench and just banging walls and stuff <laughs> I'm like I can do what I want and then I heard the as it jumped out of the vent in the early game and I was like and I was like sprinting <laughs> for this door and like jamming the seal button as I could see it coming towards me. And it was like, oh, oh my God. And after that, I never trusted the game ever again. Oh. And it still scares me, um, which is a point. That well, does sound cool though, like an escalation of the whole, rather than scripted. Like mm. if there's ever going to be a future to this genre from as an outsider, it seems like the AI thing of like, no, it's not like, they're not showing up in specific places. I know in Clock Tower, the Scissors Man guy kind of used to do that. Yeah, but like, yeah. Getting it really advanced of like it learns your behavior. You can't just, you know, game it and figure out exactly where it's going to be. Yeah, that's, that seems pretty cool. I've divulged a little bit, but I want to hear from you lot. What are the what are the scariest moments you've had in a horror game? <sighs> Playing through all of PT, that was really scary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the 20... game is short enough. I will let you have this as a <laughs> moment, a but yeah, that's, that yes, is that's scary. Like... I can drop a horror moment right now. Do it for for Alex. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you know how I think there was that PT on that PS4? What? <laughs> that PS4 that I have that's yours. Oh yeah, I don't. It's not there anymore. What? That is scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's a limited. People like save their yeah. systems because that you can't get it anymore. Uh, yeah, I thought that would like kill you. Uh, well, yeah, but that this I is think, some niche gossip. Because <laughs> that's even Adam's PS4. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's yours. He did not play PT. It's clearly yours. I think it was. Uh... Anyway, never mind. By the way, <laughs> while we're on completely random segues. Um, Thatcher was in her third year of 11 in 1982. Aha! I was right, as usual. <laughs> Jesus. My, the PT on my own PS4 is safe and sound, in case anybody okay. was worried. Damn, I, I was uh, worried. I was but the I think the reason that happened, that happened was because if you kept it, they released an update for PT to, to disable it or something like that. Oh. When, uh, yeah, you had to keep it offline. Okay, what's next? But, um, well, you so just the whole of PT. <laughs> it was so unnerving. I, cause, I mean, it's very obvious. I don't play a lot of horror yeah. games. And I just remember going, oh, what's around this? So, you you know, you go through the whole thing. I'm like, oh, what's about to happen? And then I just, it was that over and over again. And then yeah. I just felt ill. And then, like, looking and, like, peeling back the layers, I was like, oh, this is... This is a lot. This is this is well, a lot. A PPT is like a really cool example because it's like so short. Because a lot of the problem with horror games is they run for like 20, 30 hours and it's like, it's hard to maintain mm. tension for that long. PT being like literally like 20 minutes. Like 
means they can really hone in on that stuff. Um, and I, I can't believe it was basically just a teaser for a game, that's, and it's no, it's no more infamous than the entire game it was supposedly promoting. Instead, we got Death Stranding. I mean, because you have the whole like Norman Reedus, which is its own horror story. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Alex? What so was your scariest moment in a video game? Uh, a horror video game. I mean, probably the first, the first encounter with monsters in Amnesia: Dark Descent. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember, well, I, I played it. You've seen things. It is also a very like I think a very sound driven game mm. um and i mean i was yeah playing it at night with headphones on and all that and it's just you should, that's how, that's how you gotta yeah, play of Oregon. course but then i also like that's a game i think that there's also not too long that i was scared the entirety of that game in a way because i didn't i didn't power through it i didn't like try to get myself unscared of the monsters i just like i would play it for an hour or until I was too scared to keep playing and then just like play the next night, just like be done with it and play yeah. Castle Crashers afterwards or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need to wait out <laughs> for my horror game experience. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I still like sometimes want to go back to that game, but then I remember how scary it was. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Well, it's a spooky month. Yeah. Now's the it's best time. time. to revisit. There's a new one, isn't there? New Amnesia. Amnesia, the rebirth. rebirth. I actually thought it was. A, I thought it was a remake of when they first announced it. I thought oh. it was a remake of. I guess Dark that Descent, rebirth, and yeah. I was getting really like excited about that. I mean, apparently it's still pretty good. I guess. But. Well, I'm really. I'm actually more excited because I'm not a huge fan of the Dark Descent, but I really love Soma. In spite, yeah. I actually think the monster bits of Soma are rubbish, <laughs> but um, all the like narrative stuff was re and the atmosphere mm. was really strong. So that's I'm actually really excited about this, just off the the strength of Soma, um. But I guess that's like um we've talked about like the evolution of the genre and stuff and like what keeps um you know how a video, how is it as a genre survived and what innovations they brought in to, to make it scary again. So like what are the things that keep you scared? Like what are like you know jump scares clearly have a you know a, a shelf life and <laughs> um, like yeah I think a jump scare can still get you but it's just like that's usually only once. Um, but you know, well, like when you come to horror games and stuff, like what is the stuff that still gets you? Like simple tricks and things that you're just like. Ugh. I think for me, like the more I think about it, the more I realize it's, it's got to be some kind of like, set piece thing that you ponder over and and is disturbing, you know. Like, cause I've never been a fan of just the like this moment of shock or the moment you know someone's like killing. It has to be some kind of thing like almost in the, you know, the tradition of like old sci-fi of like, dis depicting scenarios and like letting your mind wander to the end of those scenarios and like disturb itself. So I was actually thinking before more games that keep coming up, I was thinking about, I have no mouth and I must scream, oh, which yeah. is, which is actually as a game is not a very good game. And I think the story by Harlan Ellison is actually much better, but there are still moments in it because it's just disturbing. It's all about this future where this AI controls the earth and it's deliberately keeping alive a handful of human beings to endlessly torture them. And when it, Whenever they like are about to die, it just keeps bringing them back with like advanced technology, so they're they're, they're not allowed to die. That's where the "I have no mouth and I'm a scream" comes from. It's like this one of the characters eventually becomes this like formless blob that can't even express its own pain. But there's moments in that game that are just again super janky. It's very glitchy and broken. You could argue that a lot of the puzzles are poorly designed, but there's just some set pieces of like. Because the, the the AI is trying to confront you with your own past, each character's past. So like one of the guys, like, 
he's possibly an abusive husband. It's not clear, but he had a bad relationship. And you have to like go into this butcher's freezer where your ex-wife and her mother-in-law are like hanging on these like meat hooks. And then you have to decide like which one you want to save and stuff. It's just, there's so many moments in that game, not even as scary as the story, but just that still. So I think it's always the suggestion, like, cause as an act, you know, there's no, I don't know. It's just pixels. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nothing, there's nothing about it that, uh, and, and I was also thinking of a game. I had to look it up called Vespers, which is an interactive fiction, a Christian interactive fiction <laughs> Whoa. where you play as, it's fucking scary. You play as a monk in an abbey in the 15th century. And, and your abbot goes insane and there's like a murder happening in the abbey. But it's, it's all text. And there's, there's, there's something about as you're investigating it and you slowly realize that the abbot is something's wrong with him. That, and it's all conveyed. You know, there's not really many big moments of like, and then the abbey burns down and everyone dies it's like it's just slowly discovering the clues and realizing that something on, is wrong on so. your um actually the, i think if you've not played it i'm highly recommending it to you right now going off the back of what you just said about you know like it's the suggestion and stuff um um the last last door it's from the people they, okay. they followed up with a dark souls like called blasphemous but the last door um it's a point and click <laughs> horror game and it's very it's not there's like almost no jump scares but the atmosphere mm. is the sound design particularly just terrifying like i is yeah. a really unsettling game it's very it's like gothic it's set in this like period and um like victorian mm. period and you're just visiting these old creepy houses basically and just like asking around and there's just there's just this persistent unease that is really palpable like like i say it doesn't it's not very big and showy with the scares um it's just there's just something like you always feel like there's something that you're missing and it's just really unsettling. And if yeah, if you're not, it's very okay. cheap. It's like you can usually pick it up and see for a few quid and you get all the episodes. And as last door is really really good. I'll note that kind of horror. I'm, I'm I think write that, down. that there's. I was just thinking about it actually. That there's probably this going to be this or is this divergence of or this moment of time of just as people are maybe getting sick and tired of jump scares in video games. Uh, there's VR that's also becoming yeah. more prominent where they're going to get still yeah. a lot of mileage out of jump scares in yeah. VR. Yeah. Just you, because you've been jump scared, but you've so. never been jump scared. In yeah. VR. And, and like. honestly, it's, it is that yeah, it, yeah. because it's so much more, it's a, it really is a different kind of medium because of the tricks that it does to your brain in thinking mm -hmm. like you're not yeah. watching a film anymore or you're not watching something. You're not looking at a picture. You're in it. You know, and it's so much more different. It's so much different to your brain and how your brain reacts to things that as much as you might be used to or desensitized or how a condition with jump scares, it's going to be a long time before you're used to that in VR yeah. as well. <laughs> I mean, well, um, you've talked about it a lot then. So is there any particularly like horror games in VR that you recommend? Uh, I mean, Resident Evil 7 is, I guess, a good start, especially because it uses a lot of the familiar um, mm stuff from uh from resident evil games so as far as like the bad puzzles that are <laughs> just prominent finding the gem to put in the statue's uh, forehead the, the, or whatever the puzzle guy in capcom yeah. d department <laughs> is just crying he's like i worked really hard in those puzzles yeah but i mean it's all just a familiarity and yeah. it is like a fun experience i guess especially i don't think i think it's one that is especially in vr more fun when you have people watching you play it uh, or you're able to watch other people play it as well, even if you know what's happening, just because you're, it's part of the thing of like waiting for people's reactions of something <laughs> that you know is going to be scary, as well as you're still watching 
scary stuff yourself. What about you, Shay? Is there anything that you're particularly drawn to in terms of like when you're seeking a scare? Well, when I'm seeking a scare, I don't. If seek it ever happens, real seeker. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't Famously. know. Is this? I guess we can like jump off into like you know non horror games that are scary. Yeah, because like PUBG is like terrifying to me. Really, because of the way I play so it. Multiplayer <laughs> games can be scary. <laughs> Oh, there oh. we go. Full circle moment. Um, yeah, just because because of the way I play that game, which is not very well. Um, <laughs> no, but legit though. So I spend, I like find a cupboard or a closet somewhere. I literally like put myself in there and that's me camping out for the rest of the game. But because there's like, there's no music. There's there's not a lot going on yeah. in that game, so it's these long like stretches of by yeah and... yeah where it's just nothing. And so when I get shot, I'm always like <laughs> every <laughs> single time, every single time. And we did talk a little bit about like the survival horror elements in it in that. Mm. Yeah, it has, it has a very palpable tension yeah. because yeah, Spartan mm. doesn't give you a lot of information and stuff no. like. I think um, Daisy particularly had that yeah. like real tension, but even more so because like one, there was longer stretches of silences and stuff, but also because you don't even know when someone's died or anything. Mm. You could sh you could like shoot in at someone's sniper spot, and then you don't know if you've killed them, so you don't know if it's safe. And there's that tension. It's like that moment at the end of Enemy of the Gates where he thinks he's killed him, and he's got to like wait for ages, and then go right. I think I've got him, and it's like. I think, yeah, that, that kind of tension. So I guess that's true. Like multiplayer, that's something. And I, I guess it's sort of related to the, the AI, the systems mm. driven. Um, but what, what other non-horror games um, have freaked people out? Come on, CG. <laughs> you, you're, you're raring to go. To share with us. CG, I, mean, I still can't get over... Um, I still can't get over a Christian horror game. Is that in the same way that you get Christian Catholicism rock Catholicism is scary, okay? <laughs> no, no, no. But you beat... Look at what better world system and cosmology for fucking horrifying stuff. I'm telling you, man. Are they trying it's to convert you with it to Christianity? The, the, the devil. Uh, very big gothic religion is is good for yeah, apocalypse and scary. Apocalypse is written into the tendencies. So. And the centerpiece it, of the faith is the zombies. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> Christian rock. I'll send Christian you guys the link. You can play it in an interactive fiction thing on your phone. Oh, That's cool. how I played it. Um, the thing I was going to bring up is one of my favorite game moments of all time. And I was, I was planted the seed. I was joking, but it was actually kind of real was with Earthbound. Because one of the reasons why Earthbound is such a brilliant game is because it understands itself as a game. And I always talk about this moment because as a kid, it, it, it was so scary for me. I had to stop playing. Uh, when you finally first start playing as Pooh, who's the martial artist... <laughs> There is a point in the game Stop. where your your elder, yes, poop. Okay, <laughs> you, you have to go. It. I'm gonna and not here. poop. <laughs> it's poop. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a name, some a real name. So you have to go to a mountaintop. Your elder says, "Go and meditate on the mountaintop." You know, you're not going to be a true warrior till you go to the mountaintop and you meditate. Mm -hmm. And it's this really cool. Like it's the first time in the game you're in this place. It's got this really cool like Chinese style SNES music and these clouds and stuff. So you go to this mountaintop, this little thing, you climb the ladder and you sit there and like a few moments in earthbound, it forces you to wait. You can't like press a to start something. You have to wait. And then the meditation starts happening. And when you start meditating, the whole game is like, it's like dragon quest. You just get these, like it's a, it switches to a battle screen and you just get an image that might be like moving in front of you and then your health. And the whole game kind of like trains you to be like, Oh, this is a battle. Cool. So you start trying to fight this thing and it starts talking to you and it's like, oh, I'm this, I'm this elder spirit, but see if you can like, 
don't know his words exactly, but if you can defeat me or if you can pass this trial. So of course you try to fight him, it does nothing. And as you're going through the trial, he's sort of trying to teach you where he's like, okay, so I can see that you think you're very strong, but if you want to know true strength, you have to let me uh, take your hands. And you're like, okay, so you have to say yes. And when he says that, it like hits you and your health goes down a little bit. And you're like, okay, that's, you keep going a bit more. And he's like, okay, but um, if, you want to, if you really want to get true strength, then you're going to have to let me take your hearing as well. Let me take your ears. And it, you get hit and then the sound goes off. He's like, now, and you keep going until he's like, now, if a true warrior, if you want to be a true warrior, you have to let me take your sight. Let me take your eyes. And like, I remember hovering over that, like, yes or no. I was like, what the fuck? No, <laughs> not my eyes. And when you press it, 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 the whole screen goes black and it just sits there for a second. And then, you know, the, the, the voice comes to you. It is, I think it's saying something like, you know, I'm just communicating to you through my mind, like telepathy. But like, now you understand the, what it means to be a warrior. It's all about like, it's this like pop Buddhist thing of like, you need to you know erase everything in order to build yourself back up. And then it throws you back in the game. But that one moment, so Buddhism scares you. It fucking scared the <laughs> shit out of me as a kid. I couldn't even complete it at first. I had to get my brother to come into the room because it's, and it doesn't even work on a thematic. It's not telling you to be scared. It's, it's taking something that you love which is being in control and being powerful and being a mm -hmm. hero and just taking it away from you. And you have like no choice. You know, you're just watching your earth one has the health meter that goes down slowly. So you're watching your health go down and down. Anyway, I think I, I don't fully remember the moment. It's been a while since I've played no, it, but I, that. I mean, I think that's always that well, black yeah, screen right. and just the voice talking to you. is just, whew, Amazing. What about you, Alex? Um, I'll probably bring up Subnautica. Oh. Mm. Um, good and I don't think that you have to be afraid of the ocean or wide open spaces. But we all should be. But that would definitely <laughs> help to be scared <laughs> in this game. It's uh, really helpful if you're scared of this. Thing. Yeah, I mean, I've been like one time scuba diving, and it's just like down like a uh, like a underwater cliff face, basically, and like so there's all of the coral and and fish on one side, and the other side is just ocean ocean just open, open ocean and it was a little bit scary to like turn around <laughs> in real life but then uh when in subnautica it very much replicates this feeling um and it's it's a very well curated world like it's sort of it's it's not like a procedurally generated world it's hand built so there's all the all little caves and everything were were sculpted with purpose and there's a lot of elements where you're it's just that mystery of, because it's also an alien world. Like everything is, you know, you can, oh, it's kind of like a fish. It's kind of like a squid or whatever. But it's yeah. also it's also unknown, an unknown topology, an unknown uh, whatever, flora and fauna under, under the ocean. And just that vastness and exploration in that unknown can become very overwhelming. And also your field of view isn't yeah. huge. And, and so the biggest shit can really creep up on you. Yeah, and then I was going to say, then there's obviously also alien monsters that are sometimes in the ocean, <laughs> which, which gives you a whole new thing it's, to fear. But it doesn't require that because there are moments when you're just in that game, when you just started first the game, that first dive into the ocean can be overwhelming yeah. um, because it's, it's, an, it's not just you're on a ground. It's your entire 360-degree peripheral of anything uh, coming up on you and whether or not things there are hostile things and docile things and you know the hostile things aren't necessarily immediately hostile or they don't you don't know if they're going to be hostile because they're not like sharks they're just like maybe some rabid fish or something like that 
But so it's scary even before you run into the leviathans that <laughs> are you know man-eating creatures or whatever. I think um, I think actually you're talking about the 360 degree. I think that's a big part of it as well as like you feel so exposed in the water in mm -hmm. Subnautica because there is there's no cover. There's no you yeah. can't go and hide it anywhere. You're just in open water. Like yeah, there's little caves mm -hmm. and stuff. But you don't have weapons. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a passive game like there are things that you can unlock very later in the game but they're still not designed as weapons they just happen to be like you can use your mining tool to kind of scare off things is there vr yeah there is and it's uh it's even more overwhelming <laughs> yeah i think one of um speaking of like non-horror games um although this does play with even your expectation of it um as gone home um which is not a horror game but it almost is but played, it kinda is. But it also kind of <laughs> is, yeah. And actually, it's sort of interesting, actually, the the sort of tension between that because the the discovery that it's not a horror game is almost part of the narrative. Like, because you're yeah. f going through this house is waiting for something horrible to happen, yeah. and 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 I mean, obviously, there's there's the main plot about um, the main character's sister, but there's also the sort of like subplot about the father which does yeah. have like is, is quite yeah. horrifying so I mean, i'm getting chills thinking about it sam yeah there's like and that house is sound design the st mm, again yeah, we go sound. back to this thing of starkness and um, there's not a lot in that um i mean just the occasional thunder which is such like a tropey thing but it's so effective yeah. in the game because the weather is so overwhelming it, it, it like builds up as you're getting more overwhelmed of what you think you're going to discover yeah. And uh, they've got and some absolutely textbook uh, door creaks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the narration as well is this thing that you chase because he hearing her voice is almost like a nice reprieve from the, the atmosphere. Just mm. having her talk is like, okay, I feel okay. And, um, and, it, and it, it's a really, and with very few pieces in terms of mechanics and stuff, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's one of my all time really just storytelling, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it's a, what, two hour game? Two and yeah, a half sure. hour? It's definitely something that you can play as like a film. And I think it actually it works. The story beats itself, even though you're completely in charge of uncovering them, it works very well as a film, like an arc of a film as far as, yeah. It has a really strong structure. Like, yeah, there's these acts. It's like, and, um, and it's just, but it's nice that you have that pace, that you are setting your pace and there's this discovery and like, there's a lot that's unwritten. There's a lot of like you joining dots, you finding these pieces and putting it together. And um, it's just, yeah, it's really something really special that Gone Home and the way, yeah, it does play with horror without it really being a horror game. Yeah. CG muted themselves because we, they didn't want any spoilers. <laughs> you could. Yeah, I have no idea what you guys just said. <laughs> it was perfect. It was like watching a silent film. <laughs> the scariest kind of film. No, um, I've kind of been convinced. Of, I haven't played it. Um, we actually didn't really maybe yeah. drop too many spoilers. No, yeah, no, it was quite vague. So just talking it up. Okay, yeah, can can recommend uh, mm. Gone Home enough. Um, one one last pitch for like scary non horror games. Um, before we wrap up, is Thief Deadly Shadows, which is not a horror game. It's horror, some horror elements. But there is the scariest level of any game ever in Thief of Deadly Shadows, a game that is known a horror game, um, which is the Shalebridge Cradle, which is this, you are going in, you're going to find out some secret, your investigation, and you've got to sneak into it. And it's this burned-down asylum that used to be an orphanage at one point. And, I mean, that's already quite... And, it's this, and, and Thief has this medieval Victorian setting, so it's very gothic and stuff. You go in, and, and the thing that makes it creepy, other than just the sound design and everything, and it's a stealth game, so you're wanting to hide in shadows, but that's obviously the last place you want to be in this place. And just immediately the vibes, the sound design has... There's a sound that just gets right under your skin. But you start to uncover the story of the place, and you start to realize that 
oh, it was an it was a, an, an insane asylum and an orphanage at the same time at one point. And there's just these like dark, horrible layers of misery that happened in this place and the, the slow peeling back of all that and what went on and stuff is terrifying as absolutely and it's like out of nowhere you're just playing the stealth game and then out of nowhere you're like, oh, i need to go to this this creepy thing and then the game just goes to a whole new level yeah. like reminds me of like demon souls the when you go to the asylum bit in that yeah, game and yeah there's just like you hear the random screaming of the of the monster around the corner and you're like I'm, maybe i'll just wait in this cell for a little <laughs> while <laughs> uh i guess what we're touching on a lot is like how important sound really mm. is even if it is kind of tropey it's still like maybe those tropes because they're a sound and not something that you have to visually like reminisce on. It's something that just immediately strikes a chord yeah, in your you don't, brain. Yeah, you don't have a chance to even think about yeah. like, oh, that thing again. It's just like, oh my God, that is a scream. Like yeah. you're just immediate reaction to it. Even, I mean, even like in Minecraft, oh, <laughs> when yeah. you're like a, just way down, way down in the depths and you all of a sudden hear something that you shouldn't be hearing. And yeah. like there's that, Steve, that instant that fear. You? When you're, I mean, Minecraft is the furthest thing from a, a horror game, really. But then you get this instant fear when you're down there because it's dark and it's just a sound. It's just yeah. a sound. It's very hear. stark as well. Like, there's yeah. the, there's the, the nice little music, but other than that, it's quite a quiet yeah. game. And it actually reminds me of like the old Tomb Raider games because mm. again, they didn't have a lot of ambient sound. There's something kind of like quite creepy about yeah. those environments that obviously Silent Hill deliberately would play on around the same time. Um, and I think, yeah, there's something with a horror game, like even as they become more elaborate, you need, you need to take away things from the player. And we're, and usually that's senses. And, yeah. and you were bringing up Earthbound CG. And I think that's mm. like a, a core component, even in things that aren't horror, but maybe want to freak you out. And then is like, just, just take something away from the player. Um, and you can see that happen. Um, well, we all know the scariest game this October. Among us, right? Finding out that well, every one Animal of us Crossing is capable of... Mar- oh. With its horrible <laughs> UI and the October <laughs> update. I mean, I'm definitely going to play it, even though it's going to be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, is, there is nothing scarier than um, Animal Crossing's <laughs> UI. Oh, this day again, no. taking, taking control away from the players. Well, we're we just go. It's about. the theme of the show. Um, if you have a suggestion for the scariest game or even the scariest moments in nor horror games, um, you can comment directly under this video on YouTube. Um, or if you're listening, you can email us um, at community at glasshouse.games or tweet at us at ghgshow. Um, you can watch more of our shows on YouTube um, or you can listen to audio-only versions on your favorite podcast app. Um, thank you to Alex and Shay for joining me in the studio. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Um, and thank you for CG, for bearing with us, because I know this has been a difficult time for you with all these spooks. Very scary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And thank you to Kiket for keeping the ghosts at bay this episode. Get out. And to Nancy (laughs) Barks for the music. Um, If you're enjoying our content and feel so inclined, please consider supporting us on Patreon, um, which you can find uh, linked below this video. Um, I'm Samantha Greer, and we'll talk again soon. (laughs) 